Hey, this is Eric from Catching Light. Hey, this is Hemp. Hey, this is Glenn. Hi, I'm Steve-O. Hey, this is Drew Hines with Hindsight Imagery. This is Matt Callahan and Digimati Photographic Services. Hey, this is Jason, and welcome to Tales from the Pit. Hello and welcome to Tales from the Pit, the behind-the-lens access for concerts and photography. Today we have a very special guest. He is the drummer of Five Finger Death Punch, Charlie Engin. Charlie, thank you for coming on and uh, joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Awesome, awesome. So one of the first things we like to do is kind of get a little history uh, about you, about how you got started in music and stuff like that. Was drums your first instrument? Give us a little brief history of sort of how you got into the industry. Yeah, I started playing when I was two. I had some musical family, both uncles that, I mean, my whole family's into music, but they got me a kit when I was like two. And so uh, I started playing then and kind of grew up, you know, going to 80s hair, like late 80s, early 90s hair metal shows and stuff like that, because my parents were kind of like the groupie type going to all the shows and they'd bring me with. And so I, uh, that was that. So I played drums up until I, I did some alto sax in fifth grade, uh, some piano a little bit. And then, yeah, I went, took it further, got my longer, long story short, got my master's in music um, and kind of took that route. And then, yeah, I've been, you know, doing the whole studio teaching everything since, yeah, I was probably 18, you know, 16. So it's just kind of the, uh, the classic tale of getting into every facet of music. Nice, nice. That's awesome. And for those of you maybe watching that are not aware, Charlie's drumming is amazing. And we'll, we'll kind of touch more on that later on. Um, when, when you started, so you've probably been in before, let's go just way before Five Finger. Yeah, yeah. Um, any major touring bands or anything like that? What was the band status like before that? Yeah, nothing really. I did a lot of like more studio stuff through my 20s. Um, I joined Death Punch when I was uh, probably 32 or 3, if I do the math correctly. And um, <clears throat> I was in, the year before Death Punch was when I started to get into touring more. I was in Scale of Summit, another, like a well-known prog band, really, in the prog instrumental music scene. Yep. So I joined them uh, roughly two years before that. Did a, a tour of the year before Death Punch, essentially. So fall of 2017 was kind of my first, like, yeah, start club touring and doing like the, the, the full nation style. But before then, it was always just yep. hit, come back home, hit, come back home. And really, it was more for me teaching and studio work. I, I've always been a studio guy. Yep. But uh, I did a ton of live playing. It was just always in the setting of like for college ensembles and stuff where it was like, you know, we had dream theater ensembles where we'd play full dream theater sets or we called them prog metal ensemble where it'd just be like, you know, between the buried and me, Opeth, whatever, all these techie crazy bands. So I kind of went from playing those type of tunes live to then scale the summit, which I did. Uh, I did a double. So I played for Angel Vivaldi and scale the summit on that tour, which was 
quite the intense experience, but uh, we did 30 shows in 33 days and that'll get you ready for about anything. So yeah. I felt pretty, pretty good and toured going into that first death punch tour of uh, which was fall of 2018. So, so uh, you mentioned uh, several, several very killer bands, but when you started playing, was, was there anything, was there a specific influence that started you into playing drums? Well, uh, I don't really remember when I was super young, but I, I just remember the bands that started to take over when I was probably like third, fourth grade. I have videos of me playing to like Slaughter, Haggardly, and like ACDC and stuff like that. But for me, it was more like fifth grade was uh, like Motley Crue, Skid Row, like a lot of single songs from a lot of like other bands like Saigon Kick and some random 80s bands my parents liked, if you know any of that. <laughs> so it was... Uh, yeah, I was kind of in, I was Motley Crue fanatic in like fifth grade and stuff. That was like the first album I went and bought Decade of Decadence, like, you know, and picked it out type thing, even though my stepdad had all those records at home and, and whatnot. And my dad, um, my dad was really into like Rush and, and like old Metallica and a bunch of, yeah, a little bit different off from where my mom and stepdad were into the more like hair, hair metal-y type Yep. groups and my dad was a little more like yeah old Aerosmith ACDC Rush um, stuff like that so kind of had the balances there and then to continue the story and finish it it became more like 6th 7th 8th grade it was like Pantera White Zombie Rush uh, Tool started to come into the picture um, a little more techiness yep. and then and then it was drummers that kind of took over like Dave Weckl uh, a lot of the like fusion jazz guys like uh it's hard to label them, but yeah, Dave Weckl, Vinnie Kalayuda, Dennis Chambers, you know, all the kind of drummers, drummers, dudes. And then it was like the Thomas Langs. Uh, they came around a little bit later when I was like seventh, eighth, ninth grade. Virgil Donati, if you know any of these guys, yep. um, Marco Miniman. But yeah, bands just got heavier and heavier for me. It became like, you know, yeah, I went from those to like then Children of Bodom, Demi Borgir, like it's kind of the, the, the death metal, but not too much. It was still like melodic death metal in flames. I don't know. And then, yeah, I just went down the rabbit hole. Like I said, dream theater was huge for me when I was same era of rush, like ninth grade. So yeah. kind of just went down the proggy path and then it just split into 20 different directions, you know? Yep. Yep. Totally. I, uh, huge fan of everything you just said. Absolutely. I, uh, yeah, nice. I'm a guitar player, singer myself. And, oh yeah. Uh, cool. I, uh, I was huge into dream theater, but, could never do any of it so i just I enjoyed it for what it was and i'm like i cannot sing that high and i cannot yeah play that fast. <laughs> yeah that's a, tough, that's a tough combo to copy right there but, <laughs> yeah, no yeah i loved i loved the i think because i was kind of ocd I, I mean i probably still am in a lot of ways but i learned all the parts like note for note i didn't even exactly know music theory then i did a little bit because i just knew about counting pulses yeah. but i didn't necessarily relate it to what time signature it was i just kind of figured that out on my own because i just could count the amount of repetition you know the cycle of the pulse essentially yep i would have not known if it was seven eight or seven four or whatever i just would count to seven one two three four five one two three four five six one two three four five one two three four one two three four <laughs> i would just like call, count the phrases you know uh, it didn't take me too long to, to get heavily into that world obviously with uh, the whole music school thing. But, um, but yeah, I, I loved learning all the drummers parts the way they wrote them because I was like dead set on like, there must be a reason they're playing them like this. So I want to learn exactly what they're doing, not just make up my own stuff to it. Because at that point I always had the opinion of like, why don't I just make up my own stuff then, you know? 
Yep. Although working within some crazy framework like that obviously brings on a whole nother level of understanding and sort of like approaches where you're like, oh, so he was feeling the, the seven, I would always refer to it as. He was feeling it this way and kind of divvying it up three and four where the band is more, the, or you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. So it's, it's good for like learning and stuff when you're at that age, I think, especially because I was a physical beast when I was young, but like... I, I didn't really think too much about the pocket of like, how does this feel while I do it? You know, it was more like speed and aggression. And like, obviously by default, it, it, I knew how to keep time, but yep. not nearly what it became four years later, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. I, so with, with being that technical, how is it for you with locking in for a bass player? Um, I, you know, well, it's important to me now, uh, obviously, but I still, uh, I would label myself as like a lead guitar follower than anything. Oh, really? Um, okay. I, with Death Punch, it's a little bit different, obviously, because it's more rhythm guitar and bass. Mm-hmm. So I'm more fixated on that. Um, and then I let the lead soar over the top of it. But then with a lot of the other bands I've been in where they're more proggy and like, this is doing this and this is doing that, I would like catch different layers with different layers of my kit. So my right hand might be following the lead guitar, which I would say is a common occurrence. Uh, My kick pattern and snare might be more based off of like, I mean, mainly my kick would be following more like what a bass does. And then uh, my snare is always just my pulse control and like whether I want it to feel like it's moving forward or cut time or yeah, like double time, any, any change in the movement. So yeah, I'm a big bass follower in certain uh, like sections yeah. and then other sections. I'm more definitely like a lead guitar following guy. Cause then I come up with the cool ideas too of like, Oh, listen to that rhythm he's doing. I'm going to just mimic that. And that's why I like a lot of my solo drumming stuff, uh, meaning like not like a drum solo, but just if you watch an Instagram clip of mine or something, it's, it's essentially like I'm listening to my own invisible lead line that I just (laughs) didn't want to record and play because I can't. (laughs) There's something going on in your head that's coming out through your drums, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Awesome. So, so let's talk about um, pre five finger and you're now doing uh, drum coaching is that correct or, or drum teaching yeah I've taught since I was probably 16 um, I haven't been doing it as much as I used to but uh, yeah that's all I did in my like early 20s even mid 20s just teach yeah and so I still teach uh, pretty much just over Skype these days and pretty much older students um, and usually for a specific reason like my technique sucks because I've been doing this for 20 years and I'm sick of my wrist doing this or it's yep. more like a specific couple lessons thing not just like all right what are we working on this week you know um but yeah yeah teaching teaching's always been there and and been big for me and yeah I still do it quite a bit so when you're on the obviously you're not now but when you're on the road how does that work for teaching um you know I think this last tour that got canceled I was I was going to consider doing one lesson like uh like a show and then um and make it more of like a personal fan experience version of a lesson where we do the lesson, but we also do like a a behind the scenes effect. And you know what I mean? Like here's my kit and yeah, just more of an interactive thing. That premium VIP experience sort of thing or something. Yeah, pretty much, you know, rather than just like, all right, let's teach, let's teach a drum lesson that even all everything else is going on around you that you're way more interested in. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I might still do something like that on the road. Uh, I still do some of my like Skype lessons on the road, but pretty rare just cause I'm so fried. Usually I don't want to deal with it like at a random time. And then I don't know if the internet works or right. yeah, it's just always something, but so yeah, not a ton of teaching on the road, but like I say, I think I'm going to change that coming up. 
So drummers seem to be our theme right now because we just had Barry from Shine Down on, and then oh, we just okay. had uh, Rich Redman from Jason Aldean. I don't know if yeah. you know who he is. Of course. Yeah. Uh, Rich was saying that what he would do on tour is he would do a lot of drum clinics per location. So mm-hmm. he'd go out at noontime, do the drum clinic for a couple hours or whatever, yep. and then go do the show and stuff like that. Yeah. Is that something you do at all? Um. I've considered it. I never have done it. I did with scale the summit a little bit more, but that was more one-on-one lessons. Um, but with death punch, there's so many like variables involved on the tour part of it that I've never wanted to just jump right into it and be like, Hey guys, welcome to the Charlie teaching show. You know, like just ignore it. So I, I didn't want to like step on toes, I suppose is one way to put it. Not that they would even care, but you know what I mean? There's a lot of people involved. And, um, like, like Rich probably said, I would imagine he's doing these clinic settings in a different location. Yep. Um, at like a music store or something. Correct. Yeah. A lot of country artists, I don't know really about Aldine as much. Um, but they take a lot of days off. So it's a lot easier to plan that kind of a stuff. Like a, yep. like a, okay, I'm in this city for three days. So then I'm going to play that day, do the clinic the next day, then take off. Um, Cause we leave, you know, quick. Yep. So we never stick around in a city. I think of the like 80 some shows I played with death punch. I think we've maybe stuck around in that city twice, you know? Right. Yeah. So uh, I would like to do that though. I'm considering, trying to pull that off, even if it's only like twice on a tour, you know, cause yeah. I could probably do something like that. Yeah. That'd be cool. I mean, and it is abs- what you said is absolutely correct. Cause Jason Aldean, they played our venue for two nights that. Yeah. Yeah. Usually yeah. Usually when bands, well, certain bands that come to our venue every year, they kind of plan around it. So they usually have a couple nights at our venue. They can enjoy it and yeah, hang out yeah. outside and do the fun stuff. Yeah. It's usually beautiful out. You know, you it's got lobster lake. rolls every night. Yeah. The lake's right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The food's really good. I remember that. that that's yeah. actually it behind hemp. That's his drone. Yeah. That's shot, uh, a drone, drone shot, shot from uh, hemp's perspective. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. I see that. I notice it. Yep. yep. Yeah. There yep. it is. Yep. So that's, um, yeah. Cool yeah, it's a great venue. Yeah. We get a lot of compliments on the venue. You know, we're obviously very proud to work there as well. Yeah. For sure. um, and we get a lot of, you know, a wide range. We get a lot of country, but when bands like mm-hmm. you guys come through, it's like, for me, I'm like, thank yeah. God there's some rock coming through. Cause <laughs> yeah. You know, unfortunately for 2020, <laughs> it was mostly country yeah, and withdrawal and rocks, which is, Oh funny. yeah. Which is fine. I just want to. I just want to rock and. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's fun to change on, it up. You guys put on quite the rock show, so it was kind of cool to see you guys. There. Yeah, that was a fun show. I remember that one clearly, <laughs> especially like the hanging out around it with like, yeah, the food. We biked down to the lake on all the many bikes laying around yeah. the spot and yeah. the, the pool and the putt putt. I brought. I went over there and just sat and putt forever. <laughs> um, that's a good time there. I, I I hope we go back there. I would imagine we will one of these times. I was I was hoping to see you there this year, but. You guys weren't on. Yeah. Uh, so let's, so let's, uh, before we get into all that five sure. stuff, um, let's, uh, any, um, priests. So before you joined five finger, mm-hmm. um, kit wise, was there a dramatic change in your kit pre to five finger setup? Uh, in a way there wasn't in a way there wasn't, I scaled down symbols and went with more of a traditional, like four crashes two China's effect. Like, two front crashes, the two Chinas that kind of stick up high, which I've always liked the look of anyways. Jeremy did that anyway, but I didn't yeah. 
I didn't do it because he was doing it. I did it because I like that. And then the two crashes next to those. And then I added in a few splashes for the symmetry and just for like drum solos. Or if I'm like, there's a few tunes I'll goof off in and throw them in. Even if you probably can't even hear them, but it doesn't matter to me. And, um, and a couple stacks just so that they're there. Uh, drum wise, I added a few drums, but I still kept the three rack toms up front. Although I like the look of four better. I can, I like my hi-hat close to me. So it sits right next to my left bass drum pedal and I take the legs off it and you can't accomplish that. Or I can't with my, the way I play, I can't get four drums that make sense in front of me. It, it just would look as if there's three anyways, cause I'd have them skewed over so far that, uh, yeah, I just went with the three in the front and then, um, other than that, I always liked my floor tom next to me. I added a big side snare, mainly in case something happened and my snare busted and we couldn't change it quick enough. At least I have some form of snare next to me. Right. Even though we defeated the purpose and tuned it way down. So when I hit it, it's just like, boom, it did, like sounds like a tom, but it's cool. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I added the gong basses behind me for a little bit of looks and then a little bit of effect because I'm, I'm a pretty open-handed player, even though I don't play with a lot of left hand lead but my left hand's always doing something or I I want it to do something so I kind of always give the left side of my body the same options as the right side of my body somewhat so I kept with that theme but it's much more grandiose on the rack system and just like yeah it's more yeah it's just bigger looking uh, especially with the gong bases behind me and then the layout of it but all in all I just added a couple times and and kind of like changed up the symbol configuration a little bit and that's pretty much it it's always kind of the 80s kit i've desired i wanted it to i mean i got to build the thing like how i wanted it so i didn't um yeah i, I didn't have any hindrances except for my riser <laughs> sort of like that big tommy lee whatever yeah and even more Ball like to the wall yeah yeah like a <laughs> more of like a techie version of tommy lee yeah, or like yeah. but just that big widespread like i always love like blast elias's kit from slaughter when oh, totally. uh, yeah, when he had the big, like the gongs up top, and he had the yeah. big spiky front rack and stuff like that. I think it said space for rent or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it did actually like say that. that. Yeah, it did. <laughs> um, so I'll I'll um, do more rack stuff, but the, the drum and cymbal setup I use right now is pretty much how I'll always keep it because that's just the way I like it. Nice. And then um, I might get funky with the rack. Like Ray from Corn uh, always gets funky with his rack system, but he generally keeps the same layout of his kit. I kind of take that approach too. Is like I'm so comfortable with the stuff where it is that to change that would just be I don't know why I would, but it might be time for a new kit just for the fun of it. You know? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> Taking a year off, you might as well. <laughs> yeah. So before we get into Five Finger, um, before you start touring and all that stuff, and you you know drums is obviously very you know, steady in, in, in you know, with, with teaching and stuff like that. You're obviously a killer drummer doing some awesome stuff. Thanks. I really love your style. I really love the, the busyness of your, you know, yeah. in all the right places and all that stuff. So I'm yeah, a cool. huge fan of your style. And I've been watching all your YouTube videos and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I definitely recommend everyone go to your YouTube page and check out yeah, for your sure. drumming stuff. And for example, the, uh, was it the camping one? Uh, the camping one's funny yeah where i'm on the bucket in the gun and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah we did that on a whim that was funny it turned out pretty cool yep so i if you're watching this go to youtube uh what is it um just my know, name yeah yeah charlie and engen yeah engen yep. sorry charlie engen uh, on youtube and look for the camping one for for i i got a kick out of that one but yeah that's amazing fun. amazing stuff on there 
Oh yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I, I kind of, I ignore my YouTube, but, uh, I at least have everything on there that I like. I just usually with all the Instagram clips would condense them into like one four minute video instead of like a gotcha. bunch of 40 second or minute long videos. So yeah, I, I try to get everything on there and I'm going to start paying more attention to it soon. Now that I know I got all this time off. Well, I'm, I, you know, I hear you with the Instagram, everyone, you know, that's sort of the default focus for everything. Cause you can just post there and it it's, spreads. Yeah. It's ADD it's efficient. <laughs> like you can just quickly just boom, 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 boom. Yeah. I've, I, I barely post anymore for that reason though. Cause it's just an onslaught of media right now. So I've been just trying to kind of, zone it out a little bit you know yeah. and like sort of spread it out i should say yeah so let's 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 uh get away from drums for a second so okay when you're not uh, what, what what do you do for hobbies that are not music related pretty much an outdoors guy like uh, a lot of like yeah hunting fishing camping sort of deals in various forms and just hit the woods uh big hockey fan still skate when i can um but primarily, yeah, free time wise, it's all, it's all like outdoors based stuff. I like yep. cars. Um, yeah. Any, anything like that, I guess. Um, this year I've obviously had a lot of time to do those things. So I've been camping a lot Good. and uh, goofing off pretty much and taking advantage of being at home. So that's been kind of a nice little change, but yeah, pretty much an outdoors guy overall. Nice. Nice. It's too. Where are you located? You didn't show up tonight. Yeah, I'm in. Uh, I'm in Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I live in the cities, but my dad's side of the family's up north, so I go up there a lot. Nice. Yep. Yeah. It's good. yeah I saw some on your uh, Facebook and your Instagram too. Some of the like the camping one too and stuff. Nice. Yeah. Area. Yep. The yeah exactly the camping ones happen just out of like. I, not boredom, but like sitting there like, all right, let's do something goofy today, you know, <laughs> bust out the camera. I haven't done any of them this year, but I probably should, especially totally. like I've been camping every weekend for the last like two months, I swear. That's, so, that's, that's perfect Instagram material. right? Yeah, there. it is. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's fun and forgettable all at the same time, you know, yeah, exactly. especially for your 134. How many got there? 134 K followers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. A good, a good fan base. A good fan likes, base there. You yeah. like so anything. That must have jumped up quite substantially in like what 2018 when you joined. Yeah, you'd be, surpri like you'd be surprised. I actually before I joined Death Punch, I paid attention to it. Obviously, I had 115, and now with Death Punch, I have 134 or whatever. So oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't go up that much. The funny thing is, though, is what I've noticed. And granted, I started not posting as much when this all happened, so it's hard to fully base it off analytics and all the goofiness involved, which I could go on and on about. Um, is my interaction is primarily death punch people now. So like all the drum comments I used to get of like drummer, nerdy drummer jokes or uh, like questions or comments or whatever it might be where it's like it's totally musician. There's probably half as many as there used to be. And now it's like death punch fans just saying like cool or, or having fun with it or, you know, whatever, yep. which is cool. But it's just odd to me that that whole like prog realm I was in before and just like, like I say, an Instagram musician world or death punch it like scaled out like i didn't lose the follower but they're not seeing my videos you know and my my interactions will lay down so my videos used to get tons of views like any just random jam right and that thing would get sometimes it'd get like you know i've had a few i had a couple break a million views and like seven hundred and fifty thousand, where it gets sucked into the instagram analytics and just gets spit out to everybody that doesn't happen at all anymore i'm lucky if i get 25 anymore it's weird 
That's very bizarre. I, I know I'm not the only has changed, but yeah, too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not the only one that that's happening to. So they've definitely changed things behind the scenes to, oh, of course, I feel yeah. proud with 500 followers myself. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I will say, you know, in my ex- experience, you know, since, you know, I've been posting photos of you guys from the show you guys did. Yeah. 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 You guys have such hardcore fans. Holy cow, are your no fans doubt. hardcore? Yeah, they are. They'll they'll find pictures of myself I've never seen before in my life and throw them out <laughs> randomly and get tagged in them. And I'm like, never saw that one. Never saw that one. Like I wouldn't even know they exist. So like, yeah, our, our fans are they're diehards. They <laughs> they're the true. best too because they're so supportive of everything. Like they understand where it's coming from, like they, uh, it's a weird way to put it, but I don't feel like judged on anything. It's more like accepted first and then maybe talked about after or something, but nobody's ever like super critical. We're like a lot of bands. Well, there's people critical on their band, but they're not our fans. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like other bands that I love, the, the entire comment section will be like, Oh, I wish they'd still do, you know, watershed tunes if it's Opeth or something or it's, it's always a, what they didn't do, not what they did. Yeah. Um, and we don't have to deal with that division too badly. Everybody's super supportive and seems to enjoy everything, which is a nice, uh, that's a nice thing to have. So let's, so let's talk about the phone call or whatever. How did, how did that, how did you connect with five finger? How did that start? Long story short, uh, like Jeremy knew who I was from watching my Instagram videos and stuff like that. And so we had just talked uh, for probably a year and a half, I'd say, before things started to come down the channel a little bit. And then to cut to the chase of it all, I had then um, of uh, summer of 2018 already been talking to um, – Jeremy, obviously, but then Jason and Zoltan a little bit. And like, I was going to go hang out with the band in Chicago. So a week before I was going down to that show, I was actually on a uh, Skype interview with, if you know what Drumeo is, um, it's like the online drumming they own like the universe of online drumming lessons essentially. And they get all these big drummers to come in and do videos and stuff. It's like a drummers. It's like a, it's cool to be a part of it type of thing. So I was planning my whole thing to go out there and do it. And as I was doing that, my phone was blowing up next to me. And then when I got off the Skype call after planning everything, where it's coming from, where my gear is going, blah, blah, blah. And then it was like, yeah, Jeremy Zoltan, I was missing calls and messages from all of them. (laughs) So I called Jeremy back and then he's like, Hey, so I can't do the fall tour. Um, and I want you to be the guy. Can you do it? I was like, yeah. (laughs) So then after that, it was like, so for next week, learn some tunes so you can come down, jam with the guys on stage and they can get a feel for you. And then, uh, hang out for a few days and learn the ropes of the crew and everything. And it was as simple as that you know, long story short is went down there the next week, played some tunes on stage, met everybody for the first time and then hung out for a few days and then went home for a month and a half and learned tunes while they finished that leg of the tour. And I hopped on on the next leg of the tour. So, yeah. And for those that don't know the band, Jeremy was the previous drummer and he was going through back surgery or something to that effect, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was dealing with back issues and stuff. So he knew, he had he had mentioned it to me before that he was considering it, but it was never straight ahead. Like, yeah, I'm going to be having to take this up. So I think he was contemplating it through that tour or whatever, and who knows. But, yeah, yeah. it was his, his back. So he – because, like I say, there was like a month and a half gap between the legs. So they toured heavy for the summer, yeah. and then they were taking like a month and a half off, and then they were doing a fall tour with the same bands. It was Breaking yeah. Ben and um, uh, Bad Wolves was with and yeah. – uh, 
I think in flames came on halfway through or something. I forget now, but yeah, yeah nonetheless. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's, that's amazing. You know, you, we're hearing so many stories about the YouTuber become the band member, you know, journey, yeah. you know, stuff like that. You, you hear so many stories about that and it's so cool because obviously your talent it's out there and people like, damn, you know, so it's really cool to get you, uh, th- 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 this happens to you. Yeah, you know? yeah, it is. It's coming into, so coming from a very prog technical band to Five mm-hmm. Finger is mm-hmm. very different style-wise. Yeah, definitely. So that first tour, did you feel you had to like, you know, tone it down a little bit? Or? Um, yeah, it's funny because when I went into the rehearsals, I had more of the opposite because there wasn't a lot of talk about that between me and the guys before so it wasn't like this big discussion it was more like learn the live show learn the tunes because there's little variances that are different live versus whatever and um there's all these little like yeah little nuances to pick up from watching the recorded video of it start to finish learning kind of what ivan will say between the tunes the cues the blah 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 yeah so yeah it was definitely a tone it down and play the tunes because i'm that type of a person and honestly i as techie as i am I'm much, I, I'm just as much into just a solid laying back smashing approach. I hit pretty hard and I like to dig into the drums, which works great for arena rock music. Cause I hit yep. hard and I hit consistently. Yep. So for me, it's a great, uh, like I wouldn't call it a challenge, but it, it is, it's a different approach into like, okay, now I don't have to play for myself and for geeky drummer guitar players up in front of the crowd just waiting for me to screw up or waiting for something crazy techie or you know we're like with scale you know you play a live show with them and it's like it's just people on their phones videotaping you from 10 feet away kind of like bobbing their head to it like getting into it as a musician you know like pretending they're playing it or something (laughs) we're with the whole like production which i'm a huge production guy it was like now the the pressure's off per se where it's like now I just have a role and I need to fill it. So yeah, I went in, like I, I was about to say is I went in with a little more like, well, I'll do a little bit of this here and I'll do a little bit of that there and see what they think about it or if they think anything about it. And yeah, a few of those things got pointed out right away. Like <laughs> not used to that. Let's uh, keep it how it is. But I will say since that first tour now I can get away with more because they know my feel and like my um i'll put it this way anything random i do in there anything extra they've now heard it enough times to where it doesn't seem extra anymore you know what i mean and it's generally not obtrusive like i'm not doing some weird syncopated rhythm i'm following something or something so yeah i keep it to the point and i play this fills for the most part i play the fills how they would be on the album because that's what fans are used to hearing and that's what they want to hear and then i know which ones i can kind of like you know give a little extra fusion in there or whatever and i also know like what they're even hearing versus what i'm playing because a lot of the little things they're not even going to hear what i'm doing on the ghost notes like in an arena that gets blended out anyway so i can let the big rhythms and anybody who knows my drum videos know that a lot of my rhythms and accents and stuff are based across a linear you know, 16th note, we'll say grouping where, you know, you're hearing, you know, dot, da, dot, da, 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 but underneath it, it's da, 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 da. So you don't even hear those little things. And so I consciously keep some of them out and throw some extras in, or I play for more of the big impacts, you know, alive with them. So it's, 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 I enjoy it way more in a lot of ways. I, you know, to be honest with you, I think that, you know, bringing, I mean, you've got such a style. I think that bringing your mix into that actually a lot, you know, brings more 
energy and, you know, aliveness to it as well. So I kind of appreciate what you're bringing in there un- yeah. you know, secretly or whatever, you know. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, it's one of those things that's maybe not noticed, but it's perceived or something. You know, it's like you might not know exactly what I'm doing or how it's different, but it might impact you a little harder because I hit, I guess, I mean, I hit pretty, pretty damn hard and I'm pretty like uh, how, how aggressive on the idea. So like, yeah. I don't really like um, hold back on the idea and it's not wavering. It's pretty much like, this is it, whether you like it or not, it's coming through you the drums. So that translates well in a live rock setting. Yeah, totally. Totally. Which, which kind of leads me to my question. One of my questions for you, Charlie, what kind of physical demand does, does this put on you? I mean, obviously you have to be in shape to be a drummer. I mean, yeah. it's, it's constant. It's hard. You, you hit hard. I'm not a musician, so I can't even speak on that hand. But what do you do to keep yourself in condition, especially now when you're off? Yeah, that's a good question right now, especially because I came into the break thinking I'd be much more like, because I work out and stuff and I try to stay consistent with it. But I also do a lot of light stuff so that I don't pull things because the biggest thing with the touring is like, I lose a ton of weight and then I, um, I'm so tight in the arms all the time that like you start lifting and it just makes you more tight, you know? So it's, it's kind of a catch 22 with the drummer. Mm-hmm. Um, but at home now I try to lift heavy when I'm off so that I can actually be sore and not care. Um, right, yeah. but what's funny is on this break, I really did none of that. I like, I lift, I grab the weights every day and do a set or something. And I just grab 40 pound dumbbells and I'll, I'll curl them a bunch of shoulder press them and I'll squat them and I'll do like just full body stuff. Yeah. But, um, I, I am actually going to, I think get, try to get in like good, good shape again. Like I was before I started touring, I was younger and leaner, but I was much more like, I just looked better to me, you know? So now I have like a lot more weight on cause I took the break from that. I came back from that European tour so skinny. And uh, a lot of the reason being I was playing more and I was burning a ton, like I was playing super hard. And so it was just like every night burning thousands of calories and then not eating enough because I'd sleep in goofy or whatever. So the hard part on the road is just having a nice strict schedule that doesn't destroy right. you. Yeah. But um, yeah, now at home I put 20 some pounds on, I think since I got back from Europe. So now I got the mass to actually do something with. <laughs> so there you go. The big thing I think is, is stretching out. Uh, I don't do enough of that. Drummers, the older I get, the more I feel it. Where when I was younger, I could get away with being a little tighter and not caring. Now I feel it in my right wrist more. Um, so it's all these little things more now than it is like, like just lift weights and be strong or run and get cardio. It's, it's like specific limbs. Like, uh, yeah, my right knee is a little shot. So I just need to stay, you know, strengthening the tendons there because the muscles want to you know, pull everything and it puts the pressure on the tendons. And that's the same with my arms. So uh, luckily I've never dealt with a major injury on tour or anything, which I was, is nice. I was just going to ask you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a, a good follow up too. is um, I've had many ones like it'll hurt for a show or something, but nothing too bad. The only time I ever remember being in like total like pain in a show was think it was in Europe or maybe it was the fall. I think it was actually the fall before it, the fall of 2019. I, um, I don't know. I started the show. I felt totally fine before. And I had this weird pain go through my rib cage and I like 
the whole show was a blur because I was in so much pain. Like it was this weird pain where you just wanted to like lay down and stretch your arms back and like pull everything. And that was horrific. Like I remember just waiting for the end of the show. And it was, like I said, the pain was like mind numbing where you just like Mm. nobody else noticed because I make sure to just put on the show, you know, but inside it was just like, Oh my God. So that was the only time I was ever like, well, this is terrible. So let's keep the fingers crossed. It stays that way. Amen. (laughs) <laughs> uh, let's go go back to that first tour or that first F. So you got the call, you went out, you hang out with the guys you do. Would you say you did a, a couple shows, a couple of practice runs? Well, I, I just did a, um, uh, like a jam at a sound check just to a few. Oh, days. Okay. Yeah. We didn't. And then we did a few days rehearsal before we left down like as a full SIR production run. So yeah. does Jeremy, is Jeremy with you for that? Mm, no, that okay. was strictly me. Um, Jeremy was with obviously when I did the little sound check and stuff because yep. he was on the tour playing it. Um, but nope, that was like, yep, I came in and then that was from then on. So what was that first tour like for you? That was, uh, well, it was, Nervous? it was crazy in a lot of ways. The obvious ones are, you know, playing in front of arenas that big. I remember being super nervous, um, before a lot of the shows, but it was an anxious, nervous. I, I'm good about nerves don't really affect me too badly. Uh, thank God in that setting. But I do remember being like, it's really the intangibles that you don't know what to expect. Like, uh, the little things of like, it's, it's not about the song. It's about the count off. Like, don't screw the count off up or like, it don't, it's all the little things, you know, that I was worried about, but it went off without a hitch. Um, which made it a fun, memorable first time, you know, show up to in a crowd you know i think the crowd was like ten thousand that night and so it was a nice change because i've always missed or i never even knew what i was missing but i knew i was missing it like i've always wanted that big energy give and take you know what i mean because it's yeah you can thrive off it if if you have ever experienced it and so that's a fun one to um it gets you hyped for every show. So I just remember enjoying, yeah, a lot of the aspects of the, of the tour. It was a great tour. Um, and it's gotten better every, every time, you know, and now it's kind of like, uh, what, what would you say? It like keeps you going. So you're excited for everything you do. Um, and it gets you through the long weeks and like the long tour or whatever it might be. And, uh, every night, at least you get to get up there and rip it. And so, yeah, I I embrace it more and more every tour. And that's why it was like this year we came in so hot out of Europe, um, that I was so disappointed when it got canceled. Yeah. Yeah. That Europe one was awesome. We, we crushed it. Yeah, the band felt so good. Everybody was in such a good mood. Like, we had such a good time doing it. You know, when it ended, I remember us saying, like, we were tired, but we were like, if I had to do this another two weeks, I could do it just because we're having so much fun, you know? And, and I remember the Megadeth guys saying that, too. They yeah. were having a great time. Yeah, that was Bad Wolves, Megadeth, and you guys, right? Yep, Bad Wolves, Megadeth, and us. Kill it, man. the uh, fan reaction when you came on? Uh, like, yeah, like having Megadeth open for us and stuff. Well, no, the fans themselves, when they also oh, with a new drummer. Yeah, with me. They were great. They were, yeah. uh, couldn't have been nicer to me, honestly. It was super accepting, which helped a lot, because that was my biggest fear, honestly, was like, mm-hmm. I'm jumping on this moving train. I'm going to deal with, like, yeah. this, not even a slapback, because, I mean, my, my skills speak for themselves. I don't have to say anything to defend myself yeah. on, like, how I play drums. But it's more like it's the character element of it all, of, like, you get to know bands and you like 
the band members because they're the band member and now you got a new guy coming on but everybody was super cool and i i feel like they've embraced me even like better as time has gone on so yeah thank god for that it was in a it was a perfect transition in that uh regard which is nice so, is it the, guys band, in the band and the crew and everything was just yep it was great. super seamless honestly yeah there was cool. the crew amazing obviously we work with like you know top-notch guys who know the profession and they know like what's going on essentially so they know when to shut up or when to speak up uh, is a good way to put it maybe mm-hmm. where like they're not going to just come in and start saying stuff to me like well yeah you know so you're the new guy so maybe this and this and this like everybody was polite and respectful with like how they approach talking to me or discussing anything with me or yeah that whole there's so much obviously you guys know that the amount of stuff that goes on behind the scenes is so much more than people would ever imagine right. as far as like the show is just the culmination point of all the the craziness that goes on around it okay. so couldn't have been better. The band um, treated me with a ton of respect. Like right out of the gate, they respected like my my like um, like my time and stuff like that. They wouldn't just like force me to to do it. Ivan hazed me a little bit in his own ways, but it wasn't in bad ways. Um, it was just like a different. You got a different guy coming into the family, sort of an effect, you know. So it really it brought us together, and I wouldn't even call it hazing. It was just it was more like you know uh, how, a discussion, but it looking back it felt like hazing at the time to me just because I was so like vulnerable in the position but um but it was great because it brought us it brought him and I's relationship actually like um palatable like it was like we were friends now you know what I mean whereas uh I if if he had just been the lead singer and then I just got off every night and had no idea how he felt or or um whatever it may be like the beauty was is that all the shows were so good that it anybody who's in the band before is going to love the way it feels because it felt great. You know what I mean? So that, that makes the transition much easier (laughs) than if, you know, it's just terrible train wrecks or something's going wrong and you're just like, no, like they're going to hate me. Um, So yeah, I couldn't have been better across the board for all that. And now these guys feel like I've been friends with them for a long time. You know, we text all the time. Like we stay in touch nonstop every day. It, Honestly, I've talked to all of them almost every day since you're up in one form or another, even if it's just, it's never even band stuff, you know, it's just fun everyday chatter with the boys type effect. Yeah, that's, that's cool. We've got the same kind of camaraderie with us. Yeah, yeah, you got your yeah. group messages and your yeah, group oh, yeah. and yeah. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Yeah. You rap on each other. And, you know, exactly, yeah, you rap <laughs> each other a little bit. And I think, so. uh, you know, a lot of the cool stuff, you know, I think because of the, everything's so good is that band's been through the ringer in the past. And yep. I, I assume you're coming in after all that drama has been kind of cleaned up and now everyone's sort of got their stuff together now. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, have, to, I didn't have to deal with the, um, the family drama, if you will. You know what sure. I mean? I was, I was post that. So the things I uh, came into or the things I've experienced since I came in there are all from such a professional approach that like, it, I couldn't even try to put myself in the position of what the band was like before me, just cause it was more of a family at that point with dysfunction. Yep. So you get that dysfunctional family and now sh- things are personal or they're, you know, I don't know this member and that member or how they've communicated. So I just would sit back type of a thing. And, um, so yeah, I've watched the transition of all the guys, even the way the vibe of the band is, I can only base it off of that. And it's, it's great. Cause it's like, 
yeah, everything just feels, I don't know. It just feels like a machine. You know what I mean? There's not a lot of like goofy chatter, I guess you could say. Sure. Sure. Yeah. The, um, so you do that first tour with them in what, 2018, I think it was. Yep. 2018. And how, how long of a tour was that? That was about six and a half weeks, I think. Oh, nice. Okay. Yep. It was uh, like 22 shows or 21 shows maybe. And what do you guys do? Like a three on one off type of thing? Uh, two on one off is kind of the general approach. And then we'll have maybe, uh, one, 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 like one on one off, one on one off. Really cool. Two on, you know, rarely two off a couple of times. And then like in Europe, we did a few three in a rows. Um, and yeah, pretty much like that though. Kind of like a two, two on one off, one on one off, two on one, kind of like three, four shows a week. I tell you what, as a singer, I don't know if I could do every single night like that. that would- I've said that many times after the show because especially at the end of that European tour, we were all getting tired because we were throwing it out there. And I remember Ivan on the last, I think it was the last show. Oh, no, it wasn't. It was in Italy where it was so hot that you wanted to die in the venue. It was a small show. We didn't use our fire or anything. It was like 4,000 people in this place. It was it was cool because it was the first time I played in Death Punch where the stage felt like you were right with the crowd like my old club days mm-hmm. but bigger bigger obviously but still it was like just packed uh, and it was fun because you felt right on top of the audience but it was so hot like halfway through the show I was like how am I gonna make it through this like it was 110 degrees I bet I don't even know but at the end of that one I remember Ivan on stage like we're giving each other a hug whatever kind of throwing stuff to the crowd and he's like help me or something like that like get me out of here <laughs> and I remember thinking that line I'm like I don't know how singers can just run around like this and like scream at the you know like singing screaming the whole time all eyes on you type effect like as a drummer I can like pretend I'm hitting a lot harder than I am or like I can fake it with my face I don't have to project my voice which is so brutal if anybody's never like you know just try running around on stairs and screaming the whole time you pass out (laughs) a few few minutes so yeah I know singers have it tough in that way and we try to obviously cater to the singers um yeah sure yeah, versus, <laughs> all right, bud, you're singing three nights in a row. Suck it up, you know. <laughs> yep, yep. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, thanks for watching part one of our interview with Charlie Angan. We have a brand new episode every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on our YouTube channel and at talesfromthepit.net. We'll see you next time.